0: You are listening to the Boundless Vancouver Sermon Podcast Series. We pray you experience the deep life and wide love that God has for you today. Hey friends, this is Carla Evans on Sunday, April 25th. Our scripture reading today is Mark 9, 2 to 13. If you hadn't had a chance to read it through yet, I recommend you pause and do so now. That's Mark chapter 9, verses 2 to 13. Have you ever had an experience where something so touching, so incandescent, something so alive transfigures the human face that it's almost beyond bearing? Frederick Beakner wrote about this kind of experience. He said it could be the face of a man walking with his child in the park, of a woman baking bread, of sometimes even the unlikeliest person listening to a concert, say, or standing barefoot in the sand watching the waves roll in. I recall several years ago when we had a student who was really unwell, physically, mentally, spiritually. It was no longer possible or feasible for her to stay in our neighborhood and continue with the program she was a part of. So plans were made for her to go home. I recall a specific moment when the person who had traveled to pick her up was in our home. I was suddenly struck I was so touched. Something was so alive, and I felt a radiance and inexplicable presence in this person's face and being. Uncontrollable, hot, streaming tears poured down my face. I found a way to momentarily hide what was happening with me by being busy and washing some dishes at the sink. I didn't have any words, or at least wouldn't have known what to say if I had been asked in that moment what was happening. I just knew that Jesus was there. That he was doing something. Jesus was using this person to care deeply for our dear, vulnerable, and wounded friend. And it showed to me through this presence in this person's face. It gave me comfort. God reassured me with hope and showed me he was still at work despite the unexpected and difficult situation. Today, we've read a story about an event which has been called the Transfiguration. Why Transfiguration? Well, the word means a change or radical transformation, which is what happened before the disciples' eyes to Jesus' appearance. The disciples see something they can't really understand or bear or explain in that moment. And I would say here at the start that the change or radical transformation that actually occurs from this event is one over time to the disciples. If we think about it, the things that have changed us, or deeply convinced us of something, or really impacted us, are encounters and experiences. We read together last week, uh, chapter eight, verse thirty-three, where Peter answered Jesus' question, "Who do you say that I am?" with a confession that Jesus was the Christ. In Peter's confession. The Gospel of Mark, Mark teaches how disciples should think about Jesus, and in this transfiguration narrative, he allows them to behold Jesus' true nature, to see it for themselves, so to speak. And this is something they will remember. It's something they can't unsee or forget. The section of Mark 8:27 to 9, 1 is seen as a divide between the two halves of the Gospel. This section brings together the questions Who is Jesus Christ and what is discipleship in a unique way? We learned that answering the question of who is Jesus involves a new understanding of discipleship. When believers confess who Jesus is, they also inevitably confess what they must become, whether they know it or not. And this sounds like a risky business to me. Likely, Peter, at the time of his confession of Jesus as the Christ, Did not realize what that meant he personally must do or become. Before we move on more specifically to the Transfiguration encounter, something also important to note is that this story is sandwiched by Jesus' predictions of his death. Previous to this, he hadn't spoken of it to his disciples. In chapter 8, verse 31, We read, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed, and after three days rise again. And in this portion we read today, chapter 9, verse 9, and as they were coming down the mountain, he charged them to tell no one what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Then next week we'll get to verses 30 to 31. For he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. It's here at this point in time that Jesus intends to give the disciples a full understanding of his mission and the road they must follow. This transfiguration encounter is so full and rich with meaning and background, so many references to Old Testament passages and themes. If I'm honest, I felt a little overwhelmed with the task of discerning what to share and what not. But what I came down to is this. Let's explore what is the purpose of the transfiguration of this encounter and story for the disciples and also for us. So I'll highlight three purposes. First, the transfiguration reinforces Jesus' identity as the Son of God. The transfiguration scene is mostly about identity and legitimation as Jesus' glory is unveiled to his disciples. This reminds us of Jesus' baptism that we read in Mark 1 where God's Spirit descended on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. In this scene, a cloud overshadowed them and a voice came out of the cloud. This is my beloved Son, listen to him. We recall in the Old Testament that the cloud was the manifested presence of and glory of God. Here from the cloud we know the voice is the very voice of God. The disciples hear God's words, This is my Son, as giving Jesus unequaled status. This is unparalleled divine favor. Of all those who have been called sons of God, Jesus is superior to them all. This inner circle of disciples ought not to forget with whom they are associated and have been called to follow the Son of God who bears the glory of God. Secondly, the transfiguration alerts Jesus' apostles to the full significance of his heavenly status. In this scene, Jesus is transfigured in such a way that his clothes become radiant, intensely white, similar to the vision of God described in the book of Daniel, showing Jesus in a form like God. He is not just the Messiah. He himself is divine and clothed in divine glory. This God sighting on the mountain with Moses and Elijah appearing is significant. Peter, James, and John would know well that Moses and Elijah represent key agents of the purposes of God. They were preparers of the final prophet to come, Jesus. They represent the law and the prophets who had foreseen Christ's fate and above all his suffering. Jesus appears as a prophet like Elijah and as the last prophet like Moses. But Jesus as God's Son has authority and significance that surpasses that of Moses and Elijah. The voice instructed the disciples to listen to him. This unquestionable source recalls the language of Deuteronomy 18, verse 15. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. This portrays Jesus as a second Moses who brings a new way for God's people. The disciples tend to assume they know who Jesus is already and understand his mission, so it's especially critical that they listen to and obey him Jesus, who surpasses his illustrious witnesses before the journey to Jerusalem, which will bring surprises, which leads to this third purpose of this encounter. The Transfiguration gives the disciples a framework for making sense of what is to come. God directs the disciples to listen to him. The voice from heaven not only recognizes Jesus as the Son of God, but tells them to pay attention to what he's telling them. This wisely happens in advance of answering their expected misunderstandings and objections about what would happen to him in the future. This unforgettable event, something they cannot unsee, is a reminder to his disciples that despite what will seem like defeat and powerlessness, Jesus is ultimately powerful over death and every other authority. Resurrection would be his crowning endorsement. Jesus is king over all. As the meaning and implications of the transfiguration unfold, the disciples would discover that allegiance to Jesus is worth the cost of any suffering they too will experience and will also end in glory. Peter, in his awe and confusion, suggests they set up tents reminiscent of the Jewish feasts of tabernacles, No doubt, with the intention to prolong this glorious experience. Wouldn't it be nice to just dwell in this glorious moment, to bask in it all? This is so good. This is what God's kingdom is all about. But we know what Peter later witnessed, how what he had expected of Jesus as Messiah was not God's plan or way. What happened on this day and the days after was life-changing, and Peter had no idea of who he might become because of it. What I really love is that we can read what Peter wrote in his own words, looking back on this encounter to help give counsel to fellow sisters and brothers in Christ about living a life that is pleasing to God. The start of 2 Peter 1, he says, I write this to you whose experience with God is as life-changing as ours, and then it goes on. We weren't, you know, just wishing on a star when we laid the facts out before you regarding the powerful return of our Master Jesus Christ. We were there for the preview. We saw it with our own eyes. Jesus, resplendent with light from God the Father as the voice of majestic glory spoke. This is my Son, marked by my love, focus of all my delight. We were there on the holy mountain with Him. We heard the voice out of heaven with our very own ears. We couldn't be more sure of what we saw and heard. God's glory. God's voice. The prophetic word was confirmed to us. You'll do well to keep focusing on it. It's the one light you have in a dark time as you wait for daybreak and the rising of the morning star in your hearts. Peter says they'll do well to keep focusing on God's glory, on God's voice. This is when they and we will see the word that is Jesus confirmed to us. We'll see Jesus for who he is and notice him in our midst. He's the light in a dark time as we wait in our hearts for his return. And he will sustain us and help us on the road ahead. During this transfiguration encounter, we see that Jesus is with the disciples. They go up the mountain together. He's still with them during this encounter, and they come back down together. And this is telling of how Jesus is. In his book, The Gospel According to Mark, J.R. Edwards says, In the depths of their bewilderment, Jesus is with the disciples. The disciples then, as now, are not expected to go it alone in this hard and joyous thing of discipleship. Precisely where they hear the gospel, where they see both its glory and their own inadequacy, there Jesus is with them. The one who calls disciples to follow him does not abandon them for glory, but turns from glory to accompany them on the way to Jerusalem and the cross. So today, let's be encouraged in this. Jesus, the very Son of God, all-powerful, holy, and full of God's glory, is the light we have and we can hold on to in the darkness and the challenges of our world. Seeing Jesus for who He is, seeing Him in power and glory, sustains us in the difficult journey we will have. And more, seeing Him changes us. You know when you know that you know You've been shown something, and you're certain of it, and that sustains you, gives you hope. This kind of revealed truth might be unexplainable with words, but it can't be denied. You know it because you've experienced it. Just like that day when I saw the face of Jesus in the desperate situation, which reassured me that he was in control, and we are not alone. I can't unsee what I saw that day. Jesus also doesn't call you to come with Him and then neglect to look back and watch where you are or check in with you. You're not left or abandoned to keep up with Him on your own. He wants to accompany you, just like He did Peter, James, and John, up the mountain. He'll show you who He is and share with you and show you what it is you will need as you journey on. Today is a call to look at Jesus, the Son, to worship Him, to listen to Him. Ask for a revelation to your heart of who he is and receive the gift of his accompaniment in all his power and glory. If you have it available to you through iTunes or Spotify, I encourage you to listen to Hillsong's track called Transfiguration. You could find it on YouTube as well. It's Hillsong's track Transfiguration. As you reflect and continue in worship today, but first I want to pray and leave us here with this. Father, thank you for your word where we can read of and in this encounter that revealed your son, Jesus, as divine, as all-powerful, as the one to whom we should listen, both now and into the future. Thank you that you have given this gift of accompanying us on the way, and that by your spirit you reveal to us your very self and what you are doing in this world. Help us to see you Help us to listen to you. May that sustain us today and as we journey ahead. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Boundless Vancouver Sermon Podcast.